Log Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is your host, Jim Ventura. Whether you're catching the show uh, live or in archive, again, welcome everyone. Uh, I won't be able to take live calls today for the show just because we have too much to get through in, in 45 minutes. So um, I have a little more information to share with you about a future upcoming show as well that I think might be of interest. But um, we'll get to that in a little bit. So uh, it's kind of a beautiful rainy day here in Phoenix. We've had a couple of days of rain, which has been um, actually kind of nice. Uh, anyway, so if it's your first time tuning into the show, uh, again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. I work with a lot of different types of oracles like tarot cards and runes, um, astrology, numerology. Uh, I do private sessions here in my home office in Phoenix as well as by phone. Um, and uh, I also teach classes, and uh, I'm obviously a writer. I write a, a every other month column called Snake Oil. If you're not already getting my column, you can email me at venturasage at yahoo.com. Uh, include your birthday uh, so you can get invited to the birthday mailer each year. And I'll add you to the uh, column mailing list. Uh, it's blind copied, so no one will get your email address from me. And if you'd like information about an in-office session or a phone session, um, just go to my website, jimventura.com. Get all the good information as well as books and all the other stuff I got on there. Okay. That being said, um, I, what we're going to do today is I'm going to do a live column read. Um, and then... Afterwards, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit more detail. Um, the other, uh, I would say pretty much on topic today because this is an important subject that I think will be valuable to my listeners, uh, but I will likely be adding a show to talk about um, the emotional, psychological, and practical effects of how to handle this uh, pandemic and, and the energy coming up with it. I'll probably do that in the next week or so, so I, I should post that on uh, probably Facebook, realistically. Um, and you can also follow me on Facebook as well. And uh, also, another quick note, um, I do have a YouTube channel now, and you can go to YouTube and subscribe to my videos there as well. Okay, so uh, let's kind of dive in. One thing I'll mention before I read this column that is significant is I wrote this column actually back in 2000 and uh, late 2014, um, which is, again, which is when I originally actually wrote it, um, at late 2014, early 2015. Uh, so I decided it was time to rerun this again, very apropos, uh, considering um, that when I wrote this, we had been a couple of years out of a major recession, and it looks like we're going into a recession again. Um, may not be the same degree of where we were before, but um, there were a number of things that happened during that process that, really potentially changed, uh, you know, the way I live and who I am, and that's a bit of what this particular column is about. I'm going to read this to you. We're going to go live, just read the column here, and then we're going to kind of comment a bit on it. You'll see why, again, I felt there was some real value in, in, in reposting this at this time. So this particular column is called Inner Worth Mount. Uh, and it is my March-April 2020 column, again, which originally ran. It was published back in early 2015. One of the oracles I've consistently used, not only for my clients but for myself, has been the Viking runestones. 
There are many different reasons why I see the runes as consistently valuable as a tool for guidance. The main reason is because they are an easy way to connect to intuitive knowledge and they practically assist in gaining clarity about what type of response or action is appropriate in any situation. There are times when we need to be assertive and times when action is, and also times when action is not the right response. Sometimes the room will suggest something like standing still. I found that even when I don't like the message and the suggestions of the runes, more often than not, they resonate with what feels intuitively correct. This is not always in sync with what I emotionally or logically want the answer to be. Yet after 26 years of working with this excellent oracle, they continually prove valuable. The times when I've ignored their advice and acted with an opposite response, I usually end up seeing the original rune advice was correct. This year, I frequently found myself pulling the same rune, Rado, uh, which means a journey, communication, union, and reunion. There are many different books with rune interpretations, but Ralph Blum's book is by far the most profound book on runic meanings. One of the insights he shares is that we see life as a journey. We have the potential to allow our inner worth to mount along the way. I had a very successful year in 2014. It was one of the most prosperous and abundant years of my life. My business grew and other areas of my life also blossomed. The majority of my success had to do with seeds I had already planted in previous years. Many of the beneficial conditions I encountered came my way rather easily. My skills as a counselor and navigational consultant have sharpened along with a number of other aspects, too numerous to list. There is no question that my sense of self-worth is at an all-time high. It is also no surprise that most of my friends and current regular clients are experiencing a similar vibration and experience. The journey room reminds us that we can learn to become more aware of what right action is and to be willing to not focus so much on movement, but to work on removing any internal resistance. We often get frustrated with areas in our lives that seem to be stuck. Why can't I meet the right pick losers? Why do I never seem to have enough money? Why do people always take advantage of my kindness? Why can't I seem to lose weight? These and similar questions are common types of dilemmas that many people face. Yet, we often get so caught up in the frustration, unhappiness, and what is missing that we miss an important key to resolving the issues. We typically rally against the people, the things, society, and the causes outside of us that seem to be the root of the problems. We fail to see that more often than not, the obstructions are actually inside. The outer problem is often a result of an internal lack of self-worth and fear-based beliefs about life and ourselves. When I have downtime, I occasionally watch some of the more sillier types of talk shows like Jerry Springer. The relationship theatrics people are willing to share on television in front of millions of people are often ridiculous and extreme. Yet many of the stories and dilemmas reflect elements in a world that are universal. Common example is a young woman or man tells Jerry in the audience her relationship with her new baby daddy started off wonderful, but now he hardly ever even comes home, tells her she's too fat, and she thinks she's sleeping with her best friend. After the theatrics of him coming out on stage lying 
at first and then eventually admitting it, the women fighting on stage, blaming it on things like she did this to me with my boyfriend five years ago or some other nonsense, the deeper truth emerges. The guest breaks down and emotionally says things to her boyfriend or husband like, after all I did for you, for you, you treat me this way. I gave up my family and my friends for you. I gave up my career to raise your child. I work so you can sit on the couch and play video games and pursue your rap career. After all I've sacrificed for you, how could you treat me like garbage? You make me feel worthless. What the guest fails to see is that the belief and fear that she is worthless or lacking in some respects was already there. Even if it was only a mild fear or doubt, over time and repeated mistreatment, the fear of worthlessness becomes stronger, and the circumstances become even more painful. Listen, no one can make us feel anything. The seeds of lack of self-worth were already planted. If it wasn't originally there, she would have ditched the abuse of mate far sooner or simply never gotten emotionally involved with someone like this in her life in the first place. Well, this example is extremely dramatic. Most of us do this in different areas of our lives. We unconsciously pick someone or job, friendship, circumstances who mistreats us precisely because some part of us believes we are not worthwhile. Listen, this does not excuse the abuser from responsibility. For their own reasons, they may feel the need to hurt someone rather than face their own pain or lack of self-worth. People who treat others with contempt are often struggling with self-worth issues themselves. The person or situation we pick may temporarily treat us well, but if a part of us feels unlovable or unworthy, the seemingly good start often acts like a temporary band-aid. It is not an actual cure to the belief in inadequacy. If we truly knew we were wonderful, loving, deserving, and talented, we wouldn't allow any form of abuse or put a stop to it the first time it surfaced. In addition, our tangible external world would reflect this back to us. Sometimes we may need repeated experiences or tests to finally come to a place of healthy self-esteem. Often the tests are not easy ones. Toxic relationships and more than a few lousy jobs in my early 20s precisely because my inner sense of self-worth worth wasn't very high. While I always consciously wanted to be happy, loved, and successful, I had eternal beliefs and doubts about whether I was truly deserving. So I unconsciously picked relationships that were, un, were either unrequited love arrangements or even a bit psychologically abusive. My complaint was I gave too much and got little in return. I had trouble feeling worthy of receiving love. This fortunately began a shift in my 30s as it has definitely changed completely. There's currently no part of me that would ever tolerate any form of abuse in relationships. It has been that way for some time now. Along my journey with intimate relationships and even friendships, my sense of inner worth has continued to mount. I expect to be treated really well by my friends and partners, and this is exactly what I encountered. When the recession of late 2008 hit, like many people, I had difficult few financial years. Mounting credit card debt, very little savings, and a dramatic decrease in my income made me question my career choices and the past decisions I made in creating financial stability. The more I struggled with increased doubt about whether I had done it all wrong or not enough, I experienced more difficulty making ends meet. 
While the conditions of the bad economy played a part in my struggles, the seeds of doubt were already there. Long before the economic collapse, I had fears and shame about my high debt, sometimes beat myself up internally for letting myself get in such a difficult position. My higher self presented many opportunities for me to see my value, even during the difficult times. But my inner fear voice was louder. When I finally listened to the more positive messages, both internally and externally, my doubts began to fall away. My external reality shifted to a more prosperous path after I changed the negative internal messages. People and conditions don't influence us along the roads we travel in our lifetimes. They absolutely do. Fear and negative beliefs begin to root when we are developing as children and as young adults. If we are repeatedly told we are not worthwhile, but people whose opinions we value, the fear will grow. Yet we still need to see that there is some part of us that is drawing the negative things to us. When we struggle, it is because we have beliefs about life that are not conducive to success. If we choose not to see these limiting beliefs, we will spend much of our lifetime fighting external battles and giving our power away. The trick is to become aware of the limiting beliefs we may have and then recognize that we can change them. While the willingness to work hard and increase knowledge are important parts of becoming confident, success in any area of life inevitably stems from a strong sense of self, a strong sense of self-worth. When opportunities come our way to increase our sense of self-worth, we have to take advantage of them, whether they be negative or positive triggers. The negative experiences may make us uncomfortable. They are valuable because they can illuminate where a limiting belief or fear resides. We always have the ability to create new, more empowered beliefs at any time. My sense of inner worth continues to mount, and I have a lot more road to travel ahead. I'll also get to help more people to increase their sense of self-worth, and this is happily very much part of my dharma direction karma. Walking the path now with more confidence is making the journey itself far more enjoyable. Okay, so this is kind of a longer piece than I normally would write because uh, I know, as I joke, often human beings are busy and also have very short attention spans. Uh, so I try to, to do long pieces, even though I always have more that I can say on such subject, which is one of the reasons why I tend to do these radio shows as well, to kind of add to the uh, to the uh, insight. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, as I had talked about in this particular piece, uh, there were, yeah, you know, 2008, 2009 were very difficult years. Um, I've written about that in, in different ways. If you followed me over the years um, through my columns, since I've been writing the columns since 2003. Um, but, yeah, 2014, late 2013, 2014 really became a year where things began to build in a very prominent way, you know, financially, practically, emotionally. A lot of things began to really kind of tip my way at that point. So it was a, it was a couple of years where things were a little tough. Um, I, I was working a lot that way. And, um, you know, I felt very confident in, in, in rerunning this piece because at this point in my life, um, there were some very definite tests in 2018 and 19, but they were less about self-esteem. I had a few health things I had to contend with and um, some, uh, a, a few, uh, a few uh, more minor 
financial challenges, but some financial stuff I was working through. But the good news is both of those things are really in a good space for me. Um, and that's exactly it. I really began to look at, at these kind of limiting beliefs that I had carried for years connected with my self-worth. Even back when I originally wrote this piece, I, I had seen such an improvement. So now there is even more of an improvement. So, yeah, listen, we, we, we sometimes go through pockets where things go well and then, and then old fears and doubts and kind of hamper us down again. Also, you know, listen, we, we, we deal with tangible worlds. And there are challenges that, that can hit us as well uh, that, that are not necessarily, you know, part of our conscious creation uh, in the sense that we have a group reality that we contend with as well, too. But the point I make in this piece is, again, I, I run across this all the time. People, you know, rallying against your cheating husband and you're not getting paid enough at the job and, and you don't have a fulfilling career. Um, and, and, and a various list of things. And no one in any way is suggesting those things are not real. But I'm telling you, our reality stems from our beliefs, and we often have a, a much greater outer experience when our inner experience or confidence in self is higher in a lot of ways. Uh, I recently had a client just a few days ago that was a woman who, she kind of bought a gift certificate through a service. I will not mention her name, obviously. I would never do that. But she had a session, and she was a kind of a nail tech, a woman in her mid-40s, and her cards had shown that she had been thinking about the possibility of, of opening her own business. And uh, I began to talk about that. I began to talk about um, uh, looking at the fears and doubts that she had and, and looking at whether that she could really do this. And she had had the skills and the ability collected over the years. And I used a number of personal stories that I had been through to motivate her. And, you know, she left and I can kind of sense that um, she was not happy. And uh, about 20 minutes later, I got a text from her, uh, in essence, saying, uh, an email from her saying that she was not happy with the session. She felt I talked to put too much about me, and she wanted her money refunded. Which of course I did. Uh, it's very rare that I have somebody do that, but I'm I'm not going to get into some type of battle with her uh, about this. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I had given her very clear, good insight. Uh, but the problem was what the cards had shown was a great reflection of what was going on with her. That the road ahead for her was going to be very difficult. She didn't trust in herself. She didn't have confidence. She had a lot of fear. And uh, the cards had shown this, and um, I don't think her little maneuver with me probably helped the situation for her, but I'm certainly not going to, uh, I'm not going to, you know, argue with someone over, you know, over $70, $80. Um, I'm not that silly. But again, I could see that, that she was uh, really caught in, in a negative spiral in a way. And I catch this with people um, often, and, and I only say, because I, have had times in my life when I've been there myself. Uh, I, I'm not alien to this. Um, just the older I get, the more my confidence has increased. And, and with that, you know, working on those beliefs, looking at where I've limited myself, where I have had questions of, of, of inadequacy or doubt and self-worth and, and work through them, uh, recognize them and change them. Uh, you know, one of the sessions that I, I do often with my regular clients, as well as some of the clients who are wise enough to ask for this, is I do what I call reality change sessions. 
Um, I also have sessions where I work with people. I call them transformation sessions where I work with people to uncover what their fears are, what I call chief negative features, and begin to put those at bay. Often that alone is a huge change in, in what you will see um, when we get hold of, of our one of our seven primary fears that human beings carry. Most people have two. Um, so all of those things are processes I've been through and work with clients through with great success most of the time. Uh, you know, sometimes people fall back uh, and, and go back into old patterns. We are human beings uh, in that way. We, we can get, we can move up and then sometimes move a step or two back or three or four. And uh, so, and, you know, all that information is available on my website if anyone's interested in that. And, and again, I'll reiterate a point that um, sessions, um, can be done by phone. Uh, a good 50% of my clients are by phone. Some people like um, FaceTime too, and all of those are options if you're if you're caught up in home anyway, in that sense. Um, so, but what I, I I had really wanted to point out in the piece, and you know, one of the things that's funny about this piece is I wrote about how you know back in the day for downtime I would watch the Jerry Springer show, which no longer exists by the way. Um, I guess they've got old episodes still rolling around on different channels, but um, he no longer does that show after like 27 years, he put it to rest. And I would often, it's funny because people would say, oh my God, how can you watch that? But, you know, I, I certainly could not take a steady diet of it <laughs> for any reason, but it always was very humorous to me um, that people would expose their problems on a show like that in the first place. You know, uh, it was very, you know, it's not like you're going to get healing. Uh, on the Jerry Springer show, you know what I mean? It's just more, you know, it's like a ring the bell and, you know, and people come start fighting again and, oh, my God. But, um, you know, not not my ideal television. But, yeah, sometimes you just want to watch something stupid. You know, it's like fake wrestling in that way. It's not exactly, you know, brain surgery here, but sometimes we just need something a little on the lighter side, you know, in that sense. But now, again, that show no longer exists, and what I find funny is, now to fill a lot of that hole is this slew of dating reality shows, Bachelor and things like that, that and, and Temptation Island, and really just another format of a lot of the same nonsense that people ultimately do with um, generally, I'm thinking, prettier people maybe than, than much of what we saw in the Jerry Springer show. But anyway, so uh, uh, shifting off gear here for a little bit, but um, it was one of the things that I, I really did want to point out. But, you know, one thing I really love to kind of remind my clients of is that one of the values of understanding like an astrology chart and numerology can work in a similar way of understanding who you are, dispositions, things of that nature. You know, the key is your astrology chart and, and even numerology, um, they're, they're designed to show what your larger pattern is of, of who you are. Um, what your dispositions are, what areas of life you're going to be more drawn to, how you typically respond to things. So they're significantly valuable in learning because the more aware of who we are and, and you know, and, and if we've got, you know, a lot of planets in Scorpio and we understand Scorpio, we can understand more about our own behavior patterns and both the positive and negative poles or Sagittarius and else for that matter or, you know, strong seventh house placements and all that stuff that you learn in astrology. But the thing I would tell people is, although, again, that is valuable, um, we, we gain a lot by knowing who we are, but there's two things to consider. One, you know, everything has, quote, unquote, a positive and negative pole. 
So when you understand the difference between those things, um, then we can make better decisions because we're conscious of it. So let me give an example of this. For instance, in astrology, Virgo energy, if you've got strong Virgo uh, elements in your natal chart, um, listen, positive pole of Virgo is I analyze, I study. And what that means is the gift of Virgo is because they have very loud internal critics. Uh, no one needs to criticize them. They do that themselves quite well. Um, they have a tenacity about learning and gathering knowledge. So they may not always necessarily get it quickly, but over time, if they commit to studying or learning something, there's a good chance they're going to become very good at it. Positive element of Virgo. They believe things can be fixed and solved more often than not. Negative element, negative pole of Virgo is I worry. And there could be a tendency to worry about things that haven't even gotten here yet um, and get caught up in just the worry habit itself in that sense. I mean, on the good side, if you worry a lot, this doesn't guarantee you're going to create that. But you can sometimes create a self-fulfilling prophecy in that way. So understanding the difference between worry and analysis and study is significant. It can help you make better choices. And it is the same with all science. There are no good signs or bad signs. Every sign has positive elements. Every sign has its tests. You know, one of the other tests that Virgos ultimately learn is tolerance. To not get so irritated with everyone, lack of efficiency or your own lack of efficiency. To be more tolerant and loving of yourself and others and, and, and try to minimize the amount of, of criticism. I get rid of it. There's good criticism too. But this leads to another point. So what I always end up wanting to get people to understand is your astrology, your numerology, things like that, of course, show us um, these dispositions, these areas of interest, what, you know, what pattern energy is going on at certain times. But ultimately, we still make choices, and, and that is so key. So more knowledge and awareness of who we are and our dispositions is going to help us, but also the recognition that we make choices. Your astrology doesn't, doesn't lock you into, an astrology chart doesn't lock you into a lifetime of suffering. It's not why it's designed that way. You know, we always have options in terms of what we're going to do, where we're going to explore, how we're going to see things, whether we see the glass is half full and half empty. You know, and much of this is, leads into another area that I often talk with my clients about, which is, again, that your beliefs form your reality. They just do. We believe, we see outside of us what we believe to be true to a large extent. Now, there's variances to this that we could get into about group mind and other factors that apply in the world. But as a general rule of thumb, what we believe to be true is a reality of what we see around us. For instance, I'm going to talk about myself um, for this reason. And I could, I have a, one of my best friends, I can use her as an example too. And I will bring her into this too. Listen, one of my closest friends is, is about to turn 60. Um, she is a very attractive woman. Um, she has very few to almost no wrinkles. She does take care of herself, and she's aging rather well. Um, I also love to kind of point that out, too. Practically, I like to moisturize and clip disgusting hairs and things that pop up, and I work out, and I take care of myself and, you know, in a physical, tangible way. But ultimately... For a man who's 55 years old, I do tend to look quite a bit younger, and I just have very, very high self-esteem and confidence about the energy pattern of who I am physically. And so that shows in my body. Yeah, there's genetic factors and all kinds of things that come into play. But I, when I was 
I, I've, I've mentioned this in other shows. I remember being 30 years old and deciding that I would only reach my most attractive when I was in my early 50s, that it would be a, a, an uphill climb. And then when I got, you know, much older, of course, there would be some practical decrease, but that I would always look younger than my years, and that was going to be my way of doing things. And lo and behold, apparently that belief um, manifested as a tangible thing because it is one that I definitively experienced, um, you know, um, and, and I, I could point this out in a number of different areas in my life um, where I've done this. Um, I have mentioned this. Um, I think on a previous show, and about two and a half, three years ago, I had told um, a number of my regular clients, because the one of the things I do with my regular clients is, let's take maybe five, 10 minutes, sometimes even 15, of just chit-chat time, where I don't charge people, obviously, for the time. If they have a 45-minute session, we might do an hour, because I might chit-chat for a bit, um, just sort of catch up on things. So, I have often will share things that I'm going through too in a way, and, and most of my clients like that because there's often reflections that go on. And um, what I had decided a couple of years ago and told a lot of my clients was that I was going to get to a situation in the next couple of years where I just did not have to necessarily work for money anymore and that I would have money. And listen, that goes against the grain of every belief I've ever was taught. I was taught you work hard, you commit to one job in your life, you stay with it, you eventually retire, you save, you invest money, all the things my mom and dad did, which were fine. But, you know, I never had a quote-unquote regular job. I built this business up. I was a waiter and a bartender, so a part of me was bucking up against that system in a way and having to rectify those beliefs about what I felt I wanted to do and what the quote-unquote right thing was to do according to society and what my parents told me to do. So a lot of stuff happened over the last couple of years that really began to have me look at my beliefs about money and finances and self-worth. And, you know, long story short, um, without getting into a ton of detail, a number of things happened um, uh, this year and in 2018, and especially in the latter part of 2019. Um, uh, one, just without even just being conscious of it, the housing market has been good. The value of my home has gone up. And uh, I have quite a bit of equity that I could pull from my home if I wanted to. I'm not going to. I'm just leaving it. I'd rather just pay this condo I live in off um, at this point. I'm, I'm fairly close to doing that. Uh, but I could access a, you know, a decent amount of money at any point if I needed to by selling or refinancing. Um, the other thing is I had a loss that I've talked about. And... Um, my mom, there was some actual inheritance money that we got, which is Twilight Zone stuff, by the way, guys. I never got any inheritance money from anyone or anything in my life, you know. But I was given some money along with my siblings, and I've invested in the stock market. Um, so, no, it's not sitting in my home. So, you know, don't try to rob me <laughs> in that sense. Also mentioning I'm a 210-pound boxer. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm kidding. No one's, no one's on that page. Um, but, um, you know, and the market sucks now, of course, you know what I mean? But still, I, I, I'm sitting on, on some money, which was a part of what I had at work at manifesting. So is it a ton of money? No. Is it enough to live on the rest of my life? Absolutely not. But it will grow. And I know that other opportunities are going to come my way now, one of them being that I'm doing more television. And I've got even the possibility of doing a television pilot within the next year or so. Um, that could completely change the course of my life. So all those things came from me making the decision 
going to just not have to necessarily work anymore in the way that I did before. And, um, you know, I, when I had made that, that decision, people had said to me, well, how are you going to do it? I said, that's not relevant. What I have to do is be firm in the willfulness that this is what I'm going to do. And I looked around, and I think there's millions of people in the world that don't have to work and sit on money, and they're far less talented and cute, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and affable than I am. And they do it, so why can't I necessarily do that? I had to change my beliefs. So there were a lot of things that, that came away that I had to look at, that I had to break down of stuff I was holding on to energetically that would just beliefs that I didn't need to carry anymore. I needed to shift them. And when I did, the outer reality began to shift. And I know very much it will continue to. I'm very confident in that. Um, so, yeah, I've done this a number of times in my life, and I've helped a lot of people along the way to begin to break this down as well, too, and, and make these different changes, whether it be in relationships or finances or your health or, you know, your sense of success. Um, again, you know, our astrology chart, numerology, things like that, they're, they're, you know, they show the directions we were taking at a higher self level in this life. But um, within that is still tremendous leeway of what we can do once we begin to focus on the positive, eliminate fear beliefs, and limitations and begin to move forward and make change. And the other thing is, you know, I mentioned this as well too. You know, when I, when I, even for instance, when I do a tarot card reading for a client, to me, nothing in those cards is necessarily definitive. From the vantage point where we now sit, a card reading would look, be the likely probabilities of events and things that are likely to come up within the next, you know, six months. Generally, when I do, card readings for people I usually do six months, sometimes shorter, sometimes a little longer. I don't really like to do five-year readings because just too much can change during that time. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything in those cards is going to happen a certain way. You know, a big part of where I might differ a lot from other readers when I work with people is if I see difficulties in the cards, we can start talking about what's going on there. Um, why those limits are there, you know, uh, why you put up with a bad relationship, why you feel you can't get ahead in your job. What are the beliefs and limits that are there that are causing this negative uh, event? And then by the same token, if there are good positive cards, which they usually are too, we can work on heightening that, using that even more effectively, understanding where the value is and, and putting more energy there as well. So to me, I don't, read the way maybe a lot of other readers do and telling everyone exactly what's going to happen. I do. I sense and pick up likely probable events that are coming into play, both good and bad. But I always remind my clients, listen, again, we have a tremendous ability to, to you know, steer our life more accordingly when we're more conscious of it. So that's one of the reasons why I like the cards. It's like a map. And once you can see the map, it gives you a little more leeway on how you can work on maximizing the good, minimalizing the limits and even sometimes changing events entirely. That being said, also another point to make is consider the uses of adversity. Listen, we often, you know, we often lose this point that difficulty can be um, motivating, strangely enough. You know, if you're Capricorn or you've got strong 10th house, uh, uh, you know, Capricorn energy in a natal chart, you'll probably understand this maybe better than some people would. Uh, some people uh, might also understand, but, you know, the whole energy of, of difficulty and strife is to teach you how to not have that. 
You know, for instance, if you're frustrated at a job that people are inefficient, they're unreliable, they don't work well, you know, you can be constantly in frustration around that, or you can understand that if you're not that way, you are reliable, you are hardworking, you are the person who strives forward and is smart, then you can almost look at the fact that you're surrounded by a bunch of dopes as valuable, because they're just going to make you look better in some degree. So, you know, you know, in, in, a, in the most uh, direct way I can say this, you know, I had, um, I had, uh, I had some health issues at the beginning of, of, of 2019 that I've worked through over the year, um, and they are really amazing, amazingly better. It's probably 85, 90% healed. I'm going to talk about that more in a future show, probably in my next column, because it's significant some of the stuff I was dealing with. But, you know, there were a couple of things that I recognized. One, my immune system now, because that's what I had to study. I studied how diet and, and, and changes in belief systems and eating, and, and uh, I used herbs and acupuncture and various other healing modalities to, to strengthen the body. You know, now that we're in this uh, quote-unquote pandemic at the moment with um, this coronavirus, um, my immune system is uh, quite, quite um, high right now in the sense that I am really in a very, very strong place. And again, I, I'm probably going to do a show and talk about you know, this mass epidemic from a practical and energetic perspective because I think there's significance here. But the, the, the adversity of having to have worked on strengthening my body and the energy physically now when other people are going to be struggling means I, I am very unlikely to get this particular virus. And even if I were to, I would probably likely heal um, uh, quicker or more effectively than other people might. Um, so yeah, there, uh, there is value in adversity. Um, you know, I see difficulty when we go through struggle is either going to do one of two things for us. It's going to make us, um, more paranoid and fearful that we're going to get hit and knocked down again, or it's going to work to be a, a, an agent of getting us to be, you know, what I humorously call badasses. You know, anyone who's, you know, older than, you know, <laughs> anyone who's in my age bracket in the fifties or forties, sometimes even in the thirties, sometimes when you're listening to a 19 year old complaining about nothing, you're like, whether you go through an economic collapse, whether there's a pandemic, whether there, you know, whether you've gone, through something really difficult, um, it does help to make you not sweat the small stuff, weirdly enough. It, it can strengthen you that way, where you're not such a baby. So um, I think it's important to consider that, that as, as, as people, adversity does have value. Again, it should teach you to have less of it. Um, I know through a series of bad relationships in my 20s, even into my early 30s, that my ability to spot a mess um, is quite <laughs> high, uh, but you know another part of it is I also have very very high self esteem, and um, I'm I, you want to at the moment I'm single I'm perfectly comfortable with that, um, but if I I do enter a relationship it's with someone who will treat me well. Um, uh, there's no other way for me. I don't I wouldn't even consider another option in that sense. So there was value in that adversity. Not that it wasn't difficult. I can, again, I got plenty of stories of stuff I went through. But that being said, again, like rerunning this piece, 
was interesting in terms of its timing and my instinct to run it again because yeah in a practical way we're likely to have some some economic difficulties ahead for the next few months or um, even the next few years or so um, again I don't know whether they will be um, quite the same as what we went through in 2008 2009 they may be less um, toxic and maybe worse um, but understand that having gone through that has that process myself has, of course, made me smarter and wiser. I would play this differently at this point, precisely because I went through that. Again, consider the uses of adversity. Um, and and as difficult as, as things might become, um, you know, uh, again, there's always going to be solutions and, and, and uh, ways to solve things um, if you, you're, you're cognizant of, of taking advantage of even the negative in a way. I know that sounds like a terrible thing to say, but listen, I mean, I can say this with absolute humor. Travel industry is getting crushed right now. Um, and a lot of industries are getting knocked down because of people staying at home and pulling back until they get a handle on this virus. So the positive side is likely to be that there's going to be great travel opportunities and great deals and things this coming late spring and, and summer when I think um, a lot of this will be in, in a better place. So you'll be able to take advantage of those at that particular time. Um, listen, stock market it might suck right now. It definitely does. But um, if you got stock in companies that are making toilet paper hand sanitizers, <laughs> that stock's going to the roof. So there's variance and, and looking at the way we view things. And I think that that's very, very key. But primarily, and this is the point that I, I kind of want to finish with because we're coming to the end of the show here. What I think that is important is, again, as I was trying to kind of dictate in this particular piece, um, listen, our thoughts or beliefs form our reality. So, you know, when we have high self-esteem, we feel good about ourselves. When we're not caught up in the traps of fear and doubt and questioning um, our value. Um, in a very tangible way, our outer experience will reflect that. Um, again, it won't be that we don't still have some tests here and there, and we may not move through pockets of doubt or question, but everything is key on having a strong sense of inner self. Again, wanted to rerun this piece, run it with you guys again, uh, in case you haven't heard it in a few years or you've never heard it before. Um, I think it's significant. So it uh, looks like we're running low on time here. Uh, I see some callers and people jumping in out of the chat rooms. Like I said, um, with these shows, I, I typically don't take live calls for these shows, so I apologize for that. But um, we just don't usually have the time to be able to do that with these shows. Um, so that being said, if you're not already getting my uh, every other month newsletter, Snake Oil, you can email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com. Get added to the mailing list. And... Um, you can catch my YouTube. Uh, I do pretty much a new YouTube uh, video about every maybe month or so. Um, go to YouTube and look up Jim Ventura, and uh, you should be able to get to my YouTube channel there. And um, and uh, and you catch a lot of my archive uh, uh, columns and and shows both through Blog Talk Radio as well as on Blogspot where I run my column. And uh, anyway, so it uh, looks like we're out of time. So thanks for joining me today. Um, I appreciate everybody getting with me and uh, try not to panic in the cuckoo land stuff that's going on out in the world, um, you know, an eternal sense of safety. 
brings an external sense of safety. So while you might not be able to grapple with the idea that you are, um, that the world is a safe place right now, you can hold on to the belief in the idea that your world is safe, that you are protected from harm, that you have the ability to, uh, to live in a safe universe uh, as an individual. That alone can help you navigate through this particular time more effectively. So, all right, guys, um, thanks for joining me today, and I'll be back again likely within the next few weeks to do a show about uh, this epidemic. And uh, you can also follow me on Facebook as well. So uh, cheers, everybody. Have a great uh, rest of the week, and we'll catch you next time.